Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is December 10th, and our reading comes from Revelation chapter 2. Now, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus begins addressing seven churches in Asia Minor through the Apostle John. These churches are all in modern-day Turkey. In today's reading, he's going to address the first three of these churches. So first, he talks to the church at Ephesus, and here's what he says. Write this letter to the angel. He calls the pastors of these churches angels. He says, write this to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars, the seven churches in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So again, he's using Uh, That metaphor to refer to the churches. He says, write this letter to the pastor at these churches. The first one is Ephesus. And he says this, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You examine the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me. So he begins by saying, I see all of these good things you're doing, but you've lost your first love. You don't love me and you don't love each other the way you once did. Turn back to me. And that's what repent means. It just means turn away from sin and independence and turn back to me. Jesus wants to be our first love. You remember what Jesus said? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so he says, listen, you're busy with all this work, but you've lost your love for God and you've lost your love for each other. I'm no longer at the center. Turn back to me. And when I hear that, it reminds me of the American church. If you look at churches across America today, it'd be easy to see they're doing some good things. But the question is, is Jesus our first love? And are we growing in our ability to love one another? And I think Jesus would say, no, you're, you're busy. You're busy. You're doing a lot. But I'm not your first love. And your ability to love one another is growing weaker. So how do we put Jesus back at the center? Or how do we even measure that? Well, when I'm trying to understand a question like that, often I look at my marriage and I ask the question, well, how would I measure that in my marriage? How would I know if my love for Tina is increasing or decreasing? How would I know if Tina is at the center of my life or out on the on the edges? Well, The reason I know my love for Tina is increasing is because I think about her all the time. And because I delight, I love to please her and to serve her. I love when she is blessed. And I love spending time with her, right? Anything I'm doing, if Tina's with me, man, it's better, right? And I love to talk to Tina. I love to listen to Tina. So many times we'll get in bed at the end of the night and just spend, you know, before we go to sleep, 30 minutes just talking and connecting what's going on in your day and your heart. And man, I just love that, right? Anything with Tina 
is awesome. Well, shouldn't that be true about our relationship with God? Right? Shouldn't God be on our mind? Shouldn't we be thinking about how does God see this situation? What's God doing in this moment? Shouldn't we love to produce delight in God's heart, to bless Him, to know we're pleasing Him? Shouldn't we love to spend time with God? Shouldn't we enjoy communicating with God and listening to God? Shouldn't we enjoy living in God's presence so in everything that we do every single day, God is present and we're doing it with Him? See, when that's true, He's our first love. When that's true, our life revolves around Jesus. And when that's true, our capacity to love one another is constantly growing and that's what Jesus is inviting us into. And he says, y'all are so busy doing all this work and you're so caught up in culture and all these other things that you've lost that come back to me. And I think Jesus would say to all of us today, come back to me, make me first, let me be your first love. And then he says this, when we do that, at the end of verse seven, he says, to everyone who's victorious, I'll give them the fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. One of the cool things is we're reading through this chapter is Jesus gives a challenge, but he offers a great reward. He says, it's going to be worth it. The day is coming. We'll be in paradise with God. And there's a great reward. We'll get to eat from the tree of life and live forever. Then in verse eight, he begins addressing the church at Smyrna. He says this, verse nine, I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. In other words, because of your relationship with Jesus and because you're placed in the kingdom of God, because you're a child of God, you're rich despite your suffering, right? That perspective is so important. He says, I know the blasphemy of those who are opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they're not. They're a synagogue of Satan. Well, how do you know that? Because they're attacking these Christians. Verse 10, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I'll give you the crown of life. At the end of verse 11, whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. So the second church is experienced persecution from this Jewish culture that they're living in. And as you and I follow Christ and the Western world continues to turn away from faith and reject Christianity, then we will experience more and more personal attacks from culture and from people. And what Jesus would say in the face of those attacks, in the face of that persecution, come on, let's keep following Jesus. Let's keep standing on the truth. Let's continue to be full of grace and truth. Let's continue to love and serve people. Let's trust God's with us and will strengthen us to live for him in the face of that opposition. And then he says, and there's a great reward coming for you. Just remember all of our suffering is light and temporary compared to all that God has prepared for us. And then beginning in verse 12, he addresses the church at Pergamum. He says this, verse 13, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. And there he's talking about the cult emperor worship in that city. He says, yet you've remained loyal to me. You refused to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. So you've stood for the truth. Even when they started martyring, murdering Christians, you continued to be 
faithful. He says, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate those whose teaching is like Balaam. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual immorality. He says, in a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin. So what's he talking about? Well, the idea here is, he says, there's a group in your churches who are teaching a cheap grace. They're teaching that because of your faith in Jesus and the grace of God you've received and because heaven is your home, now the way you live doesn't really matter. So if you're eating food sacrificed to idols, which really harms your witness in this culture, no big deal. If you're indulging in sexual immorality, no big deal. Why? Well, because we have grace and we've been forgiven. And remember, we've said this over and over again because it's addressed in so many places in the New Testament. The grace that saves us changes us. That when we trust in Christ, we don't just get a pass into heaven. We get a new heart. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, and He's moving us to follow after Jesus. And when that's not true, then we really should examine our hearts and ask, are we in the faith? And so here he says, man, The Spirit of God should be moving you to follow me, but I see you tolerating immorality. But he says, if you'll be faithful, he goes on to say, I will give each of you a white stone, and on that stone I will engrave a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. What a cool promise, right? If we remain faithful one day in heaven, God is going to give us a new name a secret name, a private name, an encouraging name, something that's very special just between you and God in order to to show you his love and gratitude for your faithfulness in a culture and a world that is turned away from God. Isn't that good? So three churches, one he says, come on, let me be back at the center. I want to be your first love. With the second one, he says, let's stand up in the face of persecution. And then the third, he says, let's hang on to the truth and not allow ourselves to slip into immorality. The grace that saves us changes us. What a great word for us today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this word. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to keep you at the center. God, we want to love you more than this world. And God, we want our capacity to love each other to increase. So God, help us to do that. And Lord, I pray that as culture continues to turn away from the truth and turn against Christians and the Western world, that God, we'd have the strength, the courage to continue standing on the truth and to face the persecution and continue to love and to serve even those who may be attacking us. God, I pray that you would help us to to stand on the truth, that we would never allow our understanding of grace to lead us into immorality. The grace that saves us changes us. God, it's because of your grace. It's because you've captured our heart. We want to live to please you. And Lord, we thank you for all the promises that you've promised to reward our faithfulness. So God, I pray that that would inspire every person listening to help us stand and continue to pursue you in the face of all of these challenges in our world every day. God, help us to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today. I hope that encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.